We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Your boy Jack Manuel joined by Justin Thomas for another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz and another Nets win. Justin, how are we feeling, baby? I am feeling ecstatic. Just finished an eight-hour shift of work, but it was made all good because these Nets, another victory. Uh, It's hard not to feel good about the Nets right now as a fan. We've been riding the waves, you know. You and I, you and I were chatting a bit off wax, and it's just like, look, we'll, we'll take this streak. We'll we'll take Jacques Vaughn leading this team and playing with a bit of attitude, playing with an identity, playing with a purpose. And let's just get sucked right into it, Justin. What did you see tonight that led to this Nets win? What were the keys to the Nets win? I mean, what I saw tonight was what I basically saw for the past five games now. Um, which was elite defense. This is the fifth game that the Nets have held an opponent under, well, 97 points or under. Um, this team has a defensive identity. I mean, they brought up a, uh, a a box during the broadcast where the Nets defense was before October 31st and then where it was after. The Nets are first place or top five in a plethora of defensive categories. Uh, so that's pretty much my main key for the win tonight was just the elite defense, especially give a shout out to Kevin Durant for absolutely putting the clamps on Paul George, PG-13. I mean, it, he, he had him in Guantanamo. He had him in Rikers. <laughs> he had him in Sing Sing. He had whatever he had, he had in, in the Bastille, like whatever <laughs> prison you want to you want to throw out there. That's where Kevin Durant had Paul George tonight. An absolute masterclass on the defensive end from a one Kevin Durant. Even Seth Curry was playing some quality defense out there, forcing some turnovers, getting some strips. And, you know, Clax had that massive block, and he's been tremendous defensively this season. Like, the numbers point to him being like a league leader in blocks. I think I put it out a couple of days ago on my timeline. You know, his block percentage, his total blocks, blocks per game. There is a defensive identity that you're alluding to here, Justin, and it's coming from, you know, Kevin Durant down. They're treating like every possession matters, like on both ends of the floor. They're like, we're not going to just give you anything. We're going to make things hard for you, however many possessions we're having in this game. And that's a a big credit to Jacques Vaughn, I think. You know, we've both, you know, been... We'll, we'll happily say that, you know, we've, we've thrown our criticisms his way in the past, but, you know, you, you've got to give credit where credit is due and the way that he has this team honed in and the principles that they are, you know, uh, you know, aligning to. What are you seeing as a team overall? Because 
you know, the Nets in the past have been really switch happy. You know, they've just sort of just let it go that sort of way. And when it's been good, the the switching has been, you know, relatively solid. A lot of that's been James Harden sort of led, Kevin Durant when he hasn't wanted to sort of really be defensively engaged. What are you seeing as a team overall, whether it's from Royce, whether it's from Katie, whether it's from Clax, and even the lesser likes that was sort of alluding to with with Seth Curry? What what's the team doing? What what's changed that's allowed this, you know, those stats that you alluded to are incredible. What's brought that on? I think it's just a buy-in. You know, this is it's the exact same roster that the Nets had in the first week and a half of the season under Nash. Uh, so it's not like anything major has really changed. Yes, they got back Seth Curry, but nobody really expects Seth Curry to be a defensive stalwart. Um, I think Kevin Durant alluded to it in an interview maybe a game or two ago about how Vaughn has kind of simplified things on both ends of the floor. So that might be, you know, a, a big reason to why. But it was... Honestly, it just looks like a complete buy-in, and the tone is being set from the opening tip. You know, you take tonight Edmund Sumner with a, a, a quick steal in the first minute and then almost gets another steal a, a few possessions later. Um, and I think that really set the tone, and we're seeing that uh, over the last few games with this Nets team. It's more so, you know, obviously maybe schemes and things are they simplified. You know, they're maybe doing things, you know, differently. But I think just the overall buy-in of this team on the defensive end is something we haven't seen in a while. I think it's something that we thought would happen, um, you know, coming into this season. Well, we had hoped because you have, you know, guys such as Claxton, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, uh, Royce O'Neal that can really set the tone on defense. But we didn't see that in the first, you know, seven eight games of the season and you know I, I alluded to it after that pacers losses maybe these guys just need a fresh voice in the locker room well a fresh voice came in and we're seeing the fruits of that labor the fruits of that new voice especially on the defensive end yeah this team's been really <clears throat> excuse me craving a sense of leadership and a simplification of sort of things because it just seems to me the nets aren't you know revolutionizing anything in the way that they're playing right now they're just doing a lot of things well, like you're sort of alluding to, there's just buy-in. There's just a, a collective sense of cohesion on both ends of the floor, you know, getting stops. You know, and look, the, the Clippers have been struggling a little bit of late, especially offensively, but they're forcing a lot of turnovers. They're making things equally hard for them. They're forcing them into bad shots. They're forcing Paul George to, you know, be the offense. They're forcing John Wall to make, you know, crazy shots that he would have made, you know, four or five years ago in, in Washington. But we should we should get to Kevin Durant, Justin. It's it's rare that we spend this long on a podcast and and not speak about Kevin Durant because, look, the box score, like he, 27 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, 10 and 16 from the field, three or five from three. Good to see the three ball start in the fall and four or four from the free throw line. Statistically, this isn't a 50-point masterpiece, but the level of, and Nick has alluded to this a, a lot as well, the all-round game, the completeness of Kevin Durant's game and two-way play and consistency on both ends is something to behold. And I think, yes, brought this one out. The longest streaks with 25-plus points all time, Kevin Durant is just behind Michael Jordan, you know, as and, and with 13 straight games. Michael Jordan's got 16. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps that and gets into sort of Elgin Baylor, Rick Barry sort of territory in the 20s because he's not necessarily... And he's he's making a heap of tough shots. Like the, he's got three defenders on him, and he's hitting like a one-legged fadeaway with no balance. And it's just like no one else can do that sort of stuff. And it's I always just need to remember: take do not take Kevin Durant for granted, because dear lord, he is he's one of one, Justin. He's one of one. 
He really is. And, you know, he had it on full display tonight. You know, you look at the box here, right, 27 points. Like, that's a really good game. But it felt – it was kind of a quiet game. Like, yeah, there were times where he was taking over offensively. Uh, but in that fourth quarter, it really wasn't him, which is not something we're really used to seeing, especially when he's the only – star on the floor you know you got got to give credit to some of the role guys especially seth curry but i mean he made some really tough baskets in that third quarter um he's a stabilizing force and you know i think a lot of people were wondering what would this offense look like you know without kyrie irving being on the floor like oh all the workload has to go to kevin durant he's gonna have to put up 40 or 50 every night for them to have a chance but no you're seeing he doesn't have to be that elite you know score where he's dropping 35 40 points a night they are able to win with him only you know putting up 27 it's kind of funny saying only 27 but yeah again he, he plays within the offense 10 to 16 from the field so you know the efficiency man strikes again uh but he's rebounding the ball as of late which he wasn't doing early in the season you know only three assists tonight after coming off of a tremendous assist night you know triple double wise against the uh the new york knicks but two steals two blocks only three turnovers he had some you know there's sometimes on the offensive end where he can get the ball out of his hands when he sees a double coming faster uh it won't lead to you know as many turnovers but gotta give him credit because also a lot of hockey assists he had with just the defense rotating over to him, extra pass, boom, boom, either winds up for a wing three or, you know, a Claxon bucket on the inside. So overall, Kevin Durant has been playing very, very well. You love to see it. Um, you know, this is not a, oh man, MVP caliber Kevin Durant, but this is, this is winning basketball for the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant. Which is all that matters at the end of the day. And, and look, he is, for us, we watch this team night after night after night. He should be in the MVP conversation, like Jamaran, Jason Tatum, these sort of guys. You know, he's been playing great all season, even you know, alongside the the Canadian Stephen. But in 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 saying that, you sort of talked about you know the the assist numbers across the board. Three for him, three for Royce O'Neal, two for Clax, three for Joe, four for Sumner, three for Ben, three for Seth, three for for Cam Thomas. Like it was a team effort in terms of just getting the, the ball moving and get, turning good shots into to great shots. And 27 assists on 40 made field goals. I know Jacques Vaughn really highlighted it when I think he was asked by, I think it was Christian Winfield the, the other day. This seems to be a principle of his, you know, in terms of just, just getting that ball moving and doesn't really matter who gets to win and, and who puts up the buckets. It's, it's just making sure that we make the defense rotate and, and make them scramble. And, you know, Seth Curry was having them scramble <laughs> tonight. That is for sure, Justin, because as you alluded to, he had 14 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter, 9 of 15 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, as I alluded to, 3 dimes, 3 boards. You know, he looked decent defensively as well, which is something that we don't necessarily expect from Seth. He's found his form. He's found his footing. Uh, uh, this is the second straight game from Seth Curry where he has been the Nets' second best player, you know, 2A if, if you, you know, at a pinch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and you know what? We're used to seeing the uh, the other Curry brother, you know, take over fourth quarters, you know, especially from from deep. And, you know, got to give credit for Curry for not getting discouraged. His three-point shot was not falling at all for, you know, pretty much the entire first half and even bits of that third quarter. But when it came down, you know, down the stretch of the game, he showed up and showed up big. Um, like you said, 22 points, four of eight from three. You know, his and you know what I, I, I liked about him was that once he noticed his three-point shot wasn't falling, he went to his mid-range. And I don't think Curry gets enough credit for how good he is in the mid-range, you know, around that, you know, 14 to 16, 17-foot area. He got himself going, got into a rhythm, and then by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, you could see that rhythm was there for him to give him the confidence to make those three-point shots, huge three-point shots, not only just wide open, but, you know, a little contested too. So, like I said, um, second straight game with him, you'd love to see him, you know, finally coming into his own can i expect curry to put up 20 points 20 plus points a night every night absolutely not but i will take it when it happens if he can be in that you know 14 to 16 17 range uh the nets have a good shot in a lot of these ball games and he's going to be key you know and having another three-point marksman alongside joe harris because if joe's shot isn't falling at least you know you're going to have a seth curry uh there for you as well and you know what in the big, big picture, you know, maybe looking down the road, if you know, I know it's not the most popular opinion, but this also games like these also improve his trade stock. You know, if the Nets are serious about really hammering home and, and getting to a championship, maybe Seth Curry is that that piece that you need to include in a trade to bring in somebody of more value. Uh, but right now he's on our team and we're just going to keep, you know, riding him to the wheels while fall off. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the absence of Kyrie Irving, you know, the Nets need a jolt on offense to ease that burden on Kevin Durant. And you can just tell, like, you know, and the starters are doing that very well. You know, Royce chipped in 12, Clax chipped in 13, Joe only had the seven, but he looked okay. And Subna chipped in with double digits as well. You need that just that load spread out, you know, and even Patty Mills was okay today hitting a couple of his threes. So it's requiring, it's requiring a team now and then it's a playing team basketball. And that's why they are getting wins on both ends of the floor, because as you alluded to, there's that collective buy-in, but Nick Claxton tonight at Justin six and nine from the field, one of five from the free throw line. He's at least getting there, which is good, but 14 boards, two of them offensive, two steals, Sorry, one steal, two assists, three blocks, plus 14 with the 13 points. Another double-double for Clax. Most improved player campaign. You know, there better be starting that in Nets land because we're starting that in Buzz land, that's for sure. Most improved player, maybe sprinkling a little defensive player of the year as well. <laughs> hey, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't checked FanDuel. I haven't checked to see what his, his, his prop is, you know, but it might not, might not be a bad thing to put maybe $10 on him if he's at like maybe like plus one, 1600 or something like that because he has played very, very well. And this is the jump uh, that Nets fans have expected from Claxton. Maybe maybe wanted it a year or two earlier, but we'll take it for, for right now. 14 rebounds is very impressive, especially when you're going up against a guy like uh, Zubach, who is a beast on the boards, a very underrated beast on the boards. I don't think a lot of NBA fans really know just how good Zubach is at rebounding. You know, and, and credit to Zubach, he was double digits in rebounds as well. But 
Claxton was able to force Zubak into a few, uh, you know, loose ball fouls, over the back fouls. Uh, he almost had a posterizing dunk over somebody, I think, in that third quarter as well. He had a very nice late, you know, drive to the basket for a layup. I'm like, yo, who is this Claxton? And obviously the play of the game, him absolutely stonewalling Paul George on that dunk attempt to basically quell any type of comeback effort late in that fourth quarter. Um, overall, just a another very, very good game for Mick Claxton. Yes, his free throw shooting has to improve, but you know what? If he's going to give you double-double double type numbers every single night, hey, I'll, I'll take a one-for-five free throw shooting night if he's going to give me 14 boards a night, you know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. I think one thing I just think back to, you know, uh, every now and then is that the, the Nets signed Nick Claxton to a three-year, $30 million deal. Like, that is just like, that's a that's a, a, one of the few ticks for Sean Marks this offseason. Like, obviously, and another, I guess, you know, tick for that is Edmund Sumner on a non-guaranteed deal because the way he is fitting with the starters, the way his defense and rim, you know, rim aggression, 11 points for him, two or six from three as well. Like, that three ball is fluky-ish, but it's sort of Bruce Brown-esque is, is what it sort of reminds me of. Four or ten from the field, three steals, one block, four assists. It's the re- He's part of the collective why the Nets are looking much more complete defensively. They are part of the reason why they're holding teams to 97 below 97 points these last five games, as you alluded to. Edmund Sumner, I think, deserves a lot of credit. Oh, absolutely. A, a, a ton of credit. And I didn't even know what, what what to expect when they did put him into the starting lineup, you know, once when the Kyrie uh, suspension happened. Uh, I wasn't too sure how it would work, but, you know, early returns are showing very, very well, especially over these last two games. His three-point shot is coming, uh, coming around, especially early in the game. I think that's also what has helped spark the Nets, uh, especially in this one. Um, seeing his three-point shot go down, coupled with his his intensity and effort on the defensive end, it, it, it makes him a galvanizing player. Players want to play for a guy and play with a guy uh, that's going to give his all and hustle. And if he misses shots, he misses shots. He's not somebody that's just going to get, you know, uh, just discouraged, but he plays within himself because, all right, he's not going to just keep chucking up threes. You saw he had some very, very tough buckets on the inside uh, tonight as well. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's, he's, he's pretty skinny, you know, considering the matchups he was going against. You know, John Wall's got some girth on him. Uh, Richie Jackson's got some girth on him, uh, but it doesn't it didn't phase him, you know, and that's what I really appreciate about uh, Edmund Sumner, who has obviously been the biggest surprise in my opinion and probably a lot of Nets fans eyes as well I mean I'll throw you to the Watanabe in there but I, I think we'll all just ride the wave that we're like no we, we knew this was happening we were on the Utah train <laughs> for a very very long time but in saying that good to hopefully have him back in, in the next couple of games but yeah with Edmund Sumner I think what he does is sort of like you know the DeLon Wright sort of stuff the sort of Javon Carter sort of stuff and it's just he fits in as a, a fifth starter really well, and he can still create a little bit enough for himself where he's not just going to be a, a, a net negative on the defensive. And if anything, you know he's gonna he's almost a, above average in terms of the fact that the shots that he takes around the rim and three pointers are the shots you want to take at, at, in terms of the profile of shots that the the Nets want and all teams want. And I think that's the what I've sort of seen a lot lately as well. The shot pro- profile of the Nets. They're really attacking the rim 
And they're using that to open up the three ball. They're using that to keep the ball out. They're using that to create the hockey assist that you're alluding to. And I think that Edmund Sumner, again, deserves a lot of credit for how he has led that. You know, he's got the ball in his hands a little bit to sort of ease the burden off Katie, not having to bring up the ball. He's guarding guys 94 feet, you know, a couple of possessions here or there to put the pressure on them. So uh, a full credit to him, especially coming off the ACL injury as well. Who knew who knew what he, who, he would look like? But he looks like a genuine NBA player and he's playing a big role for the Nets as as that sort of fifth starter, as the sort of, you know, point guard, you know, basically in the starting five. But I guess, Justin, we should have, I mean, we don't really need to discuss Patty Mills. I know you are a big Cam Thomas fan. We won't go to Ben Simmons just yet, but we can chat about Patty Mills and Cam Thomas a little bit. Cam Thomas, obviously, the box score doesn't look amazing. You know, one or six in the field, or one from three. Did get to the free throw line and hit both of those free throws. Three assists, had a steal, two boards. It's almost like Cam Thomas is getting going beyond the box score, which is not something you would normally say about a guy who is at his best, a sort of volume scorer and is going to like get up the shots and whether it's around the rim, whether it's from the mid range, whether it's you know your favorite shot, the old Cam floater. What did you think of Cam Thomas? And what do you think of his form of late? I liked it, you know, and, and like you said, the you know, the the boxer really doesn't show the impact that he had. Yeah, one of six uh, shooting, but you know what? They were all good shots. I didn't I didn't think any of his shots were were necessarily forced. You know, he had some in rhythm threes. He had an in rhythm uh, mid range that just didn't go down. But the thing that stands out to me, uh, three assists. You know, and I think the big knock, at, uh, you know, whether it be the media or fans within the fan base had against Cam is that yeah, we know he can score, but he, he doesn't pass. He can't pass. Well, he's passing, right? Three assists. Like, you know, I know it's not going to jump off the page for you. Oh, wow, three assists. Like, anybody can do that. But, look, it just shows me that he is willing to not just be a ball stopper. He's willing to make that extra pass. He's willing to keep the ball moving within the flow of the offense. Uh, and that should be appreciated. You know, is he's going to have some nights where he's not going to score, right? Four points. But you can appreciate nights like this as well as the nights where Cam is going to put up 19, 20, 21 points, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is literally going to average 25, 26 points when he becomes a full-fledged starter in a few years. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I got a question on Twitter when I sort of put out some of this Camps Thomas stuff that we've been alluding to. And I want to ask you because there are a few basketball minds that I trust more when it comes to talking about general hoops, let alone Nets hoops. What's a comparison to like the prototype of Cam Thomas? You know, I think 
you know, someone said Lou Williams, but I think he's got some more playmaking point guard chops than Lou, Lou Williams does. You know, Jordan Clarkson, the way he's playing this season, sort of reminds me a little bit. I've always thought that the high end would be like a Jordan Poole sort of type, but the three ball hasn't really translated so much. Uh, are there any guys that sort of you think that Cam Thomas could be or like the sort of prototype of player that he reminds you of? Uh that's a good question. I haven't really thought about a prototype. He is he's an interesting, you know, build, right? On its surface, he's a he's a pretty physical guy, right? You don't really expect it, but he's he's a pretty muscular guy at a, at I believe 6'3, 6'4. Uh so you don't really see that uh a lot, but and, and someone that has sneaky athleticism as well. Um he gets off the floor pretty pretty high on his jump shots. I know he did that, you know, his rookie year. Um like you said, the, the three ball hasn't come to fruition really just of yet. He is very, very good in the mid-range. Um, you know, and as we've seen, like the mid-range is kind of being phased out. You see a lot more guys chucking up threes and, and being in the mid-range. Um, so you'd have to kind of really go back to like maybe like mid-2000s, early 2000s for a real good cam prototype. Uh so I don't, and I don't really, I know the comparison is like the thief of joy. So I don't really want to compare, oh yeah, Cam Thomas is like this. And then when he doesn't pan out to be that guy, it's like, ah, damn. But, um, but right now I, I just think he's still finding himself and in his game and whether that's, you know, improving on his playmaking ability, his dribbling, his three point shot. I think we won't really know what his build is for maybe like another year or two. Uh, but right now I, I think it's very, very impressive. And I love seeing the growth. From him you know you saw it from last year even this year in the summer league uh and now in finally getting off the bench and actually playing some real minutes you're, you're seeing like just what he's been working and practicing on um and you see he has he has great mentors he's he's being mentored by kd he's, he's learning tips from Kyrie, and you always see the videos of him in that practice facility you know learning you know talking with other guys he's challenging other guys so you love that competitive spirit in him uh so you know i don't really have a build for him just yet but maybe ask me in like a year or two and then we can really really hammer home who he is like yeah i think the point i'll take away from the conversation with you just then is that he is unique and it's almost like that's why it's when you have unique prospects with the way that they play and unique it's almost like because he's he's a bit unorthodox sometimes in the way that he plays basketball and that's almost part of the the aesthetic or the the, the joy that the, with us watching him and, and watching his maturation but you know, hopefully, as you alluded to, Jacques Fon doing a good job of actually playing him. Hopefully he does a good job of not playing him alongside Patty Mills and Seth Curry for extended minutes. He seems to have this weird fetish with that three-man guard lineup. It's not like Shea Gilgis Alexander did a shooter on Chris Paul, but <laughs> m- maybe it turns into that. But, Justin, we better have the Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving conversation before we end this pod. What is there about Ben Simmons more to say than what we've already said? It seems to be... You know, talking to a brick wall and just saying the same thing over and over again about he looks like passive, he's not aggressive, he's not looking at the rim, he's not pushing in transition, he's giving the ball up too often, he doesn't know how to screen. You know, it's pick and foul, not pick and roll. It's he's a DHO merchant. Like, yeah, like he's got some nice chemistry with Seth Curry thanks to his time in Philadelphia, and you know that's somewhat of a positive. You have, as I alluded to on previous pods, you have to align all of his minute, those two minutes together, but. It's, I don't know, you, you jump in, mate, you jump in. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's early returns so far have not been promising for Ben Simmons. And it's disappointing, right, because he did have a very, I thought, strong end to the preseason. 
And it's like, okay, great. Like he's going to, even if the offense doesn't come around immediately, at least we know he's going to be solid on defense, but the defense hasn't really been that great either. And at this point, it's like, all right, he's just kind of wasting space on the floor. Yes. The Nets are winning. I thought he played very, I thought he played pretty well against the Knicks, but I shouldn't, it shouldn't take one good game. And then we have three or four duds, right? Like I would consider tonight's game a dud, uh, He's got to be. He's got to look to be more aggressive. And I, I, if I feel like a broken record saying this, and I feel like a lot of Net fans have feel like a broken record saying this, but he's got to. He's got to look at the basket. He can't be so pass first. I even saw a few times after getting the rebound, pushing a transition, he's already calling for you know like Cam Thomas or Patty Mills to get the ball. And it's like, yo, bro, like at one point you were arguably the most dominant player in transition. Uh, you know, uh, you know, outside of probably LeBron James and and, and Russell Westbrook at a point. And Giannis, like you were. Yeah. And Giannis, like you were a one-man fast break, and now you're just deferring to to guys that you know it at one point weren't on the same level as you. It's at this point, I I, I can really say like it's all mental, um, you know, because the physical the physical tools are there, right? He's he's still tall, he's still got weight on him. So at this point, it's just a a sense of him using that. Uh, but I just don't know, and I don't know how much longer the Nets can really just kind of babysit him. And, and nurse him along because at some point teams are going to get privy to it, right? We're still early in the season. Teams are figuring each other out just as much as they're figuring themselves out. Um, so they're still probably giving a little bit of respect to Ben's ability from the past, but sooner or later teams are going to pick up on it and they're going to know, Hey, we don't have even have to guard a guy 10 feet from him. We could just sink our big bet or whoever's guarding him way back to like probably the free throw line and just let the nets do that. So it's it's concerning is it time to panic yet i don't think so but like you can't if, if you're a fan you can't be mad at, at at other fans for saying hey look we need a we need to flip ben simmons quick uh before things get out of hand because it's it's not looking promising right now yeah as time goes on you know is, is it time to panic as you alluded to you know that time to panic becomes nearer you know, what day is it? What game is it? Game 15, game 20? You know, we're rapidly approaching, you know, those different marker points. And, you know, we're not seeing the, the growth in Ben Simmons that we wanted to see. Yes, he's only come back from, you know, the knee soreness and such, but it's just, I don't know what the solution is. Well, we do, but it's just like Ben, who is it that's speaking to him and going, all right, like my guy, if you're going to miss a few shots, like miss them driving to the rim. Like how many free throws have you taken this season? Like, four like and it's just the clax is getting there and yeah he's hitting what 20 percent 30 percent of them this year but it's just you show him the game tape of nick clax it's just like this is a guy that's earning like a third of the money that you are and he's playing triply as good as you but you know we'll save the ben simmons discussion probably for the Lakers game tomorrow maybe he shows up uh, against you know the king you know the young prince as he was once touted as by LeBron James, but we got a little bit of news around Kyrie Irving, Justin, and I know we've discussed Kyrie Irving on this podcast with you before. The big tidbit that I took was that Brian Lewis asked Nets owner at the game, Joe Sy, if Kyrie Irving would be back on this road trip. So they'll obviously best in the Kings, the best in the Lakers, and the Blazers as well on this road trip. And he asked owner Joe Sy, and this is from his timeline, if Kyrie Irving would be back on this road trip, he still has work to do, quote from Joe Sy. What does he have to do? Like a an assignment and a reflective paper? Like uh, he's apparently met with Joe and Clara, who's Clara side has been a a big facilitator in a lot of the Nets drama the last couple of years. He's met with Adam Silver. 
you know, I, I don't know what there, what else there is to do. Again, I've said this a million times. What Kyrie Irving did, he needs to hold a sense of accountability for. But it's getting to the point where it's just like, come on, like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said from the jump, this whole thing has just been a shit show. Um, serious, excuse my language. I'm sorry. Is is a PG? Is a PG I say it every time, my guy. <laughs> we I think we call one of the podcasts like a Donetsk or a disaster. Donetsk or a shit show. Like I use that word all uh, the time. All good. <laughs> But um, yeah, I just this this whole thing is 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 just blown out of proportion. And you know, my problem with Sai from the jump is that like, yo, if, if nothing, if no action, real action was gonna be taken, then there was no point of making all this thing public. And my issue with him is also like he just he's he's kind of been doing things for good press and good PR and good optics, uh, when he really doesn't have to say anything. Um, like his comment to Brian Lewis, and he's been using, and we all know he uses Brian Lewis as his mouthpiece. You know, we even saw that a few years ago when he dropped that article about like, oh yeah, Joe Sai is losing all this money. And I'm like, okay, so what? Joe Sai is worth billions of dollars. And, you know, I, I get excited for tax season for my tax return. That's only about maybe like $800. So it is what it is. Um, I feel no sympathy, but for him to say that it's just, it just, it's just more fuel on top of the fire. It's just, okay, what, like, what's the end game here? You're saying, you just sent out a tweet that said, oh, yeah, he met with us. We know he's anti-Semitic. I mean, we could have told you that from, like, the beginning. Um, but, yeah, we, we met with him, and, and you know, we're, we're, he's going he's gonna to come back. Oh, wh- wh- when's he coming back? Yeah, he's still got work to do. All right, so what's that work? You laid out – you had leaked out to the, to the media a laundry list of things that Kyrie Irving had to do. And, you know, in my honest opinion, I didn't think all those things were fair. Fine. Suspension, fine, right? If you need, need him to donate, fine. But – you look at some of the things he had to do, and I don't recall, you know, and this is me speaking personally, candidly, I don't recall at any point when, you know, white people in uh, sports have had to do that type of laundry list type of things, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, Kyrie should atone for the act for his mistakes, but this is this is mad overkill, right? Um, so at this point now, it's like, okay, what else does Kyrie have to do? Right. Is he does he still have to do this long laundry list of things? Has it been shortened? Like if you said, you know, he's not anti-Semitic and, and this, this and the third, then why is he not? Why is there still such a cloud of mystery around when he can come back to play? That doesn't make any sense to me. And it just feels like just such a power trip and ego trip to me, uh, because at this point, what are we what are we really doing here? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. But do you have a prediction on when you think Kyrie Irving will be back? Do you think he could be back on this road trip? Or do you think it's more likely? I think the Nets are back in at home against Memphis on the 21st or the 20th of American time. What, what do you have? What do you use is just like predicting, you know, if it's going to be sunny in, in Melbourne, is it going to be sunny in New York? Like the, it's like predicting <laughs> the weather. Uh, if he's not back by that Kings game, so after the Lakers, it's the Kings, right? I think so. Yeah. And then it's Blazers. Uh, yeah. If he's not back by the Kings game, I, I would, I would think he's back by the, that first home game. If he's not back by then. Yeah. I don't know. At that point, I don't know. And then we might have to start thinking of the real possibility. Has he played his last game in Brooklyn? Because at that point, you know what I'm saying? And we still are in the dark about his, his, his return. Like it's one of those, like it's an indefinite suspension for no reason. Like, all right, if he serves the five games, cool. But and that's, just said, this was the five games for those like playing along at home. This was the fifth game that he yeah. was suspended for. See, he does the five games and then you have the tweet. Yeah, we met with him. It was a good conversation, et cetera, et cetera. But he's still suspended. 
So then what are we doing here? Either trade the man, release the man, or let him play. You can't keep putting him in limbo and us fans in limbo. It's not fair to us. It's not, you have to do right by, you know, the fans. As an owner, you have to do right by the fans. And right now, Josai is not doing right by the fans at all. No, and he hasn't done right by the fans a lot. And we both have our frustration with Josai <laughs> for many a reason. But Justin, it's always a pleasure, my guy. I appreciate you for coming on. And hopefully we're talking about another Nets win against the Lakers tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Nets World. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.